We're good. Awesome. So we are live with episode, I believe I just said episode 19 of the Blue Crocus Experience podcast. Um, this will be coming out for people in the contractor group a little bit earlier because we're going live in there as well. Yeah. Um, so for people listening, we're going live in, in the contractor group. Check it out if you're not in it. Um, but I'm joined today with Mike Wingard. And basically, this was spurred on by a question someone asked in the contractor group. And uh, Mike and I have been chatting for a little while here, um, recorded some stuff for a course he's uh, laying out, and, and basically I've gotten to know a little bit of his business experience. So I thought it would be good for people to kind of get to know what he's up to, where he's come from, um, where his knowledge comes from, and, and kind of get a feel for his journey. So um, if you want if you want to take it away, Mike, tell, tell people who you are, what you're about, and, and then we'll kind of roll from there. Sweet. Well, I mean, thanks for having me on, dude. This is fun. I love doing this stuff. For sure. Well, a little bit about me, uh, about a little over three years ago, I started my first business um, as a company in Pennsylvania doing cleaning services and started out doing window cleaning and pressure washing and then expanded into commercial cleaning and all of that and then built that business up uh, over two and a half, three years where I didn't have to work in the company anymore. And so I, I hired a full team. Um, the company is fully automated. I was working uh, the back half of last year, I was working probably like 10 to 15 hours a week, you know, just kind of helping going to a couple meetings a week, stuff like that. And then I was kind of like, what's the next step? What do I do? And so I was like, I want to prove that my business can work without me and it can continue to serve me. So I moved 12 hours away from that business to Bluffton, South Carolina, right off of Hilton Head Island. And I started a second company and, uh, yeah, doing the same, same thing, uh, that we were doing up there. So doing pressure washing and window cleaning. And the idea was that we were going to turn this company into a regional powerhouse. We're going to franchise the business and all of that. Decided not to do that. And then I uh, started getting into this legacy, legacy entrepreneurs. So that's what I do now. But the important part of that is I still own 100% of that company in Pennsylvania. And it's still rocking and rolling and doing really good months. And we have a huge month coming up here in July and August. So I'm super excited about that. And so that's kind of where my niche is or like where, where I've been really successful is building out teams and, and uh, automating and putting systems in to the business. That's awesome. That's awesome. So maybe, uh, maybe touch a bit on the legacy group. I know you're wearing the, the swag right now, but um, just before we get too deep into it, um, yeah. tell so, us a bit about that. So here's what I found. There's when you start your business, right? You, you kind of become a unique individual, right? Like people don't understand what you're doing. They don't know what it feels like to be an entrepreneur. Like they want to go in, work their nine to five job and go home. That's what, you know, everyone's been programmed to do. So when you make the jump from working somewhere to being an entrepreneur, you need help and support and mindset and resources and, and you need a family and a group that you could come to. And so the vision behind legacy entrepreneurs is to start living a life that inspires uh, others in faith, character, and wealth that impacts future generations. So it's a group that people can come to, they can be themselves, they don't have to be someone, you know, for anyone else. And they can also start learning how to live their life that's going to ultimately impact future generations in a positive way. So we do, um, we do live events, uh, we have group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, we've launched an apparel line, which has been really cool. We actually have our own legacy lifestyle podcast. So there's a lot of cool stuff we're doing for support for entrepreneurs. I love it. I love it. And how can people find that? Yeah, just type in legacy entrepreneurs. You'll find it. That's our business page. And then we have a uh, legacy entrepreneurs mastermind. That's the group that uh, everyone's kind of in right now. So love it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I know I always like to kind of plug what people are up to uh, because, yeah. you know, the whole point of this is to network and grow together. Yeah. Um, before, you know, before we kind of answer Cam's question, um, Cam Roberts' question, appreciate you asking the question in the group, Cam. Um, and I know Cam is probably one of uh, the podcast's most avid supporters. He's always uh, liking and sharing, and uh, I think he's got his wife into it now. So as soon as an episode goes up, they both uh, like it and nice. all that. So. He's, uh, he's very active on it, but basically Cam's question, which we're going to circle back around to was, um, how do you know when to hire your first employee? Yeah. And a lot of the, the last few episodes on the podcast have been 
about employees because you know if it's not employees that you're looking for it's leads and if it's not leads it's employees right it's one of those two things or both that you're struggling with as a business to stay afloat um yeah and no matter how much work you have coming in if you don't have good people you can't do the work and get the money right so and you can't grow and scale so um talk to us a bit about the struggles that you faced um as you were growing because i know I don't know how much of your personal journey you want to share, but you started the company from a place of, uh, you know, not a great place and, and kind yeah, of grew up from it. Yeah. <laughs> so money is like air, right? If you have it, you don't think about it. If you don't have it, it's the only thing that you can think about. So when you get to a place where you don't have money, you get desperate and you go out there and you start hustling, right? Or, you know, you start doing stupid things, but we hope that you're out there hustling. So that's what I did. You know, I got to a place where I had a baby coming. I needed to make extra money. I was selling real estate. And the way real estate income works is if you don't sell any houses, you don't make any money. It's 100% commission. And I was selling about a home a month, but it would, you know, if I sold a home one month and then I went six weeks without a paycheck or whatever, it's just really difficult. And you don't make a lot of money when you first start out in real estate. And so I was down to like my last couple hundred dollars, $143 in my bank account. I'll never forget that number. And I went out and just started pounding the pavement. So one thing I realized early on in my business was that no company has ever gone out of business for lack of sales. So, yeah. so, so just to clarify, you kind of pivoted from your real estate business yeah. um, into, into pressure washing, right? Yep. Was, so, was that at the same time as you kind of had that deficit almost in your bank account? Yeah. So I was still selling real estate, but I was like, I got to do something to supplement the income in between. So I went out and I got a bucket, a mop and a squeegee and I went door to door to business owners and I was like, Hey, can I clean your windows? I'll do it for 10 bucks right now. I'll do it for 20 bucks. And like the first day I went out, I made 40 bucks. The second day I made like 75 or 80. The third day I made like 120. And then uh, the fourth time I went out, I didn't go out every single day, but like the fourth time I went out, I made like 300 bucks because somebody let me clean their home. And then I did a business on top of that. Yeah. I made like $250 at that person's home and then $50 you know, cleaning a business. So I was like, man, if I can make $300 cleaning windows in a day by myself, like I can do, I can make something out of this. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what gave you the idea for doing that? Was it just a, you know, was it something you'd done before or did you just say, Hey, window cleaning? Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty open about my faith and, um, I think that's like part of being authentic. Right. And so this is just I, like dead serious. This is how it happened. Like I put my head down and prayed and I was like, God, I have $143 in my bank account right now. Like I went from a six figure income at a corporate job and like $25,000 in savings to nothing. Like, what do I do? And I just heard this voice in my head say, get a bucket, a mop and a squeegee and start cleaning windows. Like when I think of like quick money fast, I think of cleaning something and getting some yeah. cash. You know yeah. what I mean? So, Fixing exactly. someone's immediate problem. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Because I know um, I was kind of fiddling with the the controls over here, but um, so I missed exactly what you said at the beginning. But I know that you went from a comfortable job at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, a comfortable corporate job. Um, and so for those of you who are thinking, oh, you know, he he was fed the silver spoon, uh, yeah. he wasn't. He he had a comfortable corporate job. He wanted you wanted to reach out um, on your own and kind of try your own thing. And then you came to this kind of rock bottom, your back's against the, the ropes here. And that's where yeah. kind of where this whole journey started a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's the perfect segue though, for, for some of this stuff that we're trying to talk about is I, I wanted to be in control of my life, dude. I didn't want to just like, I don't care how much money you pay me. I don't want to just sit at a desk all day and then go home and be like, all right, I got from Friday night, Saturday and Sunday to do whatever I want. You know, it's yeah. like, I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want and be in control of my life, dude. Yeah. So like, you don't be, you don't get to do that being an employee. So you have to be a business owner and actually plan your life out. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you, you went from cleaning windows to eventually getting out of the real estate game and then and growing. So, so walk us through that journey quickly yeah. or slowly, however detailed you want to get. Yeah. So, um, I still sold like a home a month for, um, January, February and March. But then once I hit like middle of March, I was like, I really need to start doing more window cleaning stuff. So I would go out, you know, on a couple times a week and I'd put flyers out and I'd network and 
you know, during my real estate meetings and stuff, I would tell people like, Hey, you know, I also have a window cleaning company and all this stuff. And then uh, June of that year, I went full time. I actually had an $800,000 home listed for sale and I just gave it to someone else. I didn't collect any commission off of it. I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to go into window cleaning. And um, I had my first five figure month. So uh, we made, I think, $12,000 that month in June. That was like our first, my first like full-time month into it. So. And were you still um, just you at that point? No, I had a couple guys. So I, I was working, it was me and a buddy that were kind of doing it together, like part-time in March and April. And then in May, I was like probably 75% out of real estate. And I had one guy come work with me. And uh, we would just go out and pound the pavement. And then June, I had two guys. And then I maintained those guys for the whole season. I love that. Yeah. Love it. So maybe, you know, maybe talk to us about the decision to to get a person. And, and we can kind of segue right into Cam's question. Yeah. It'll probably lead to more things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the biggest question you have to ask yourself is, what do you want your company to look like or what do you want your life to look like more importantly and then you structure your company around that so i knew i wanted to have freedom in my life right and there's no freedom in being a solopreneur except for the fact that you can adjust your schedule and kind of call your own shots a little bit right but the ultimate freedom is when you can get people to do stuff while you're at home sleeping or hanging out with your family or whatever so i knew early on in the game i had to solve one of two problems I either had to figure out how I could make more money and maximize myself, or I had to figure out how to make a lot more money and take a cut off of it. So I had to say, do I want to sacrifice early on in my business and build a team and go through all the headache and stress and struggle of all that? Or do I just want to do this myself? And like, I knew it was the, the first one that like I wanted to build a team. So I mean, and that's that's led to now where you can kind of be 12 hours away and the company's still running, right? Yeah, like I just talked to my general manager um, a couple of days ago and then I touched base with them today and I was like, look, don't call me unless it's something super urgent. Like I'm literally, like people don't believe me, but like I'm literally down to less than an hour a week now, like in total phone time or whatever. Like we talk for 15, 20 minutes a couple times a week and that's all I do. And like, I, I'm hesitant. I don't like to really like talk too much numbers or whatever, but like I make a six figure income off of that business and I yeah. barely work in it. And so it's like, it's just one of those things. It's like, man, I'm so blessed, you know, like I can do whatever I want to do. Like all my bills and lifestyle is completely covered. And that's why I'm able to go full force into this legacy and stuff. Cause this is my passion. This is really what I like doing. So, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it wasn't just, you woke up with a six-figure income. Talk about the, the work that it took to get there. Um, you, so, you, so you kind of figured out what your business wanted, yeah. you wanted your business to look like. Yeah. And then, you know, what are the next steps? Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to stand here looking at, oh, Mike's done a great job, but like, how do yeah. I get there? Yeah. So you have to do everything in your company when you first start out. You have to be jack of all trades. You got to be able to sell. You got to be able to do the actual jobs accounting, building your website, all that stuff. Cause realistically, unless you just have a pile of money that you're sitting on, you're not going to be able to pay people to do that stuff right away. And the reality is people get into contracting type jobs or um, type businesses because they aren't able to spend, you know, 500,000 or a million dollars to get into a different business. Like, let's just be honest. So you got to be really good at doing a bunch of different things. The second thing is you have to be really good at letting people do things for you and not um, and like holding a super high standard, but at the same time, like giving grace. And the way that I explain that is if you were going to teach a child how to ride a bike, you wouldn't just throw them on the bike and let them roll, right? You would put them on training wheels and you would take their feet and put them on the pedals and be like, all right, little Johnny, start pedaling, you know, and then you hold the, uh, the handlebars and you encourage them and you say, Hey, you know, keep doing it, man. You got it. You know? And then when they start going pretty well, maybe you take your hands off of the steering wheel or the, the, uh, whatever it's called. Handlebars. 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 Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You take your hands off the handlebars for a minute, 
but then you're right there just in case they start going somewhere they shouldn't, you know, and then you put your hands right back on and you help them. You don't let them fall right away. And then when you get to a place where you're like, little Johnny's doing pretty good, then you take the training wheels off, but you still don't let them go off on their own, right? You're right beside them and you take them into a grassy area and you let them fall over a couple times, you know, that way their knees don't get skinned up and their elbows don't get messed up and, and all that stuff. And they don't, the most importantly, they don't get discouraged, right? They don't feel like a loser because they can't do it. Yeah. And then ultimately when they're ready to do it, you take them on the open road and you say, Johnny, go, right? Yeah. What, what I see all the time happen is people throw their, the kid on the bike and say, go, they look the other direction and they see that the dude's over on, like on, off the bike, on the ground crying. Then they go over to him and they're like, you stupid thing. What are you doing? How do you, you don't know how to ride a bike. Are you serious? You know? And it's like, guys, you got to train people. You got to encourage them. You got to walk alongside them. You got to, you got to teach them what you expect out of them before you just hand them everything. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, I know several of my mentors have said, you know, once you have someone doing work for you, whether it's in your company or outsourcing, you've got to inspect what you expect, right? Yeah. Um, check it over. Uh, make sure, you know, that Johnny hasn't gone off the road and isn't skinning his knees and stuff, right? Make sure that he's doing a good job with what, whatever it is, whatever tasks that you gave him. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's crucial. And I mean, if you don't have processes in place um, for, you know, the way that you're running your business, it's probably going to be hard to scale your business. Because oh, yeah. You're not going to be able to give people um, a, a clear walkthrough of what you do or, you know, a little training manual. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Yeah. Um, but, you're, you know, maybe talk a bit about that. Yeah. So, so to kind of go back a step and answer a little bit of the question that you had before, there's a process to it, right? So I don't recommend that day one you just, like, partner with someone and you try to go out there and work together with someone. Go out there and hustle on your own and start building your clientele up, right? until you get to a place where you're about 70% maxed out. So if you write the numbers down and you say, I can bring in, it's going to vary based off the industry or whatever. So let's just use simple math. If I, if I know that if I go out and hustle and do everything that I need to do, I can make $10,000 a month in revenue. Well, once you start hitting about 7,000, you need to bring somebody else on board and have them help you. So then the progression is, you can't just continue to make $10,000 a month in your business because now you have another guy that you have to support. So you have to take that number and increase it to 15. And here's what's, here's the problem is a lot of people don't do that next step and then they get really discouraged and they're like, well, I'm paying this guy to help me and I'm making less money now. So I'm just going to go back to the way it is before. So, and then if there's any, any issues with the way they're performing, it's just like another excuse to kick them out the door. hundred percent. Yep. And you will always find reasons if you want them gone anyway. So usually what happens, this is the vicious cycle, is every, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in, every business is seasonal. So you end up hiring people for the busy season, you end up like just making it through, and then you let everyone go, you coast through your off season, and then the next season you do it over again and over again, and there's no stability in your company. You're starting over from scratch every single year. Versus what we do is we have the same core guys every single year that keep coming back. So we never start from zero. But for the guys out there that are like, dude, that's a little bit more advanced than where I want to be. What I would say to them is start getting people to help you with the easiest things in your company that's going to help save you at least a few hours a week, right? And so a lot of people make the mistake and they'll say, I just need to hire a full-time guy. You know, like I'm tired of working 70 hours a week. Like if I hire somebody to do 40 hours a week for me, then I'm only working 30. It doesn't work that way. What you should do is have somebody come and help you and do the easiest tasks possible in your business. So for me, for pressure washing, it was like, hey, wind up the hose reels. Like who can mess that up? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So wind up the hose reels, go turn the water on, put the ladder away you know, at the end of the day, make them clean the truck out, all that kind of stuff, like find ways to make freedom in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if people are messing up rolling the hoses, then you're probably a bad boss and you should figure out how to teach them to roll a hose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it's always, uh, it's the training process is show me, 
watch me do it and then let me do it. So it doesn't matter if, if what, you were the employee. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if uh, it doesn't matter how easy it is, literally, if it's like, like we have a janitorial company, like even if it's just taking trash out, it's like we show them how to take trash out as stupid as that sounds, because we want to show them like, Hey, you take the bag out, you tie it up, you put the new bag in, and then you put the trash can back exactly where it was before. Yeah. And it, you'd be amazed that like people don't have that ingrained in their brains, right? Even like winding the hose up, something stupid like that. Like when you're winding it up, you want to have a towel running it through the towel as you're winding it so the hose doesn't get dirty, you know? Yeah. But what happens is people will be like, wind that hose up. They'll wind it up and then the owner will be like, dude, look at this hose. It's all dirty. It's disgusting. Like what am I paying you for? You know, it's yeah. like, that's on you to teach them what you yeah. want them to do, right? Yeah. No, exactly. Um, and, and I mean, I guess once you have people, what do you do to keep those people coming back year after year? Because that's, that's a topic I always like hearing different people's opinions on. Yeah. So number one question you have to ask is why would anyone work for your company? Like, there's, I mean, anyone can go out there and work anywhere and, and make the same wages or similar wages, have similar benefits and all that stuff. And it all stems from your mission, your vision, and your core values. Why do you exist as a company? Where are you going? And what do you stand for? Right? And so my, my mission was to be um, Center County's largest eco-friendly cleaning company. So when, um, I don't know, sorry, our mission was to make Center County cleaner and greener. We were an eco-friendly cleaning company. And our vision was to be the largest eco-friendly cleaning company in Center County. Our core values were, Family focused, integrity above everything, commitment to the team, taking pride in what you do, and sustainability. And so when people came to an interview, they knew what we were all about from day one. So as an employee, when in the interview, I'm like, look, our goal is to be Center County's largest eco-friendly cleaning company, and we're interviewing you to see how you fit in that vision, right? So as an employee, I'm thinking, this is more than just a cleaning job. Like I could actually become a manager. I could make this into somewhat of a career, right? And that's how you get people to stick around. And like to go even deeper in that, um, you know, creating incentives for people, doing fun things. Like we did quarterly parties at our company. Um, We did a bunch of giveaways and, you know, I gave away watches to all of our employees. And I'm, I'm not talking like $20 watches, like anywhere from one to $300 watches. I would give these guys. And like, There's all kinds of stuff, but we can dive into that a little bit if you want. Yeah, I'm definitely down. Because one of the things that uh, I was talking with Sean, um, the episode just before this, and basically what they did is uh, in one of their in one of their cleaning companies, they had uh, a breakfast or barbecue, barbecue breakfast every Monday morning. Um, so it was scheduled in. The boss, you know, cooked the cooked the breakfast sandwiches, and then people could chill um, but it also got them there it was a free breakfast it got them there monday morning and got the week started off right yep we used to do team lunch every single week nice so nice. i would take everyone to lunch i'd pay them for their time uh we did a book study with all of our leadership like all of our team leaders and managers and stuff we would read about leadership and teamwork and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean you you have to engage people on a personal level i mean the people that say you know I'm paying them. That should be enough. Like it's not guys. It's not. And that's just such a lame excuse, you know, like all, all we want as humans is, uh, you know, <laughs> current events, if current events tell us anything, all we want as humans is to be heard and, and, uh, feel like we care or, or that people care about us. Right. Yeah. Um, and so as an employee, as, as someone who's been an employee, that's so important. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're, if you're thinking of hiring someone on or, or you have people already, take a good look at how you treat your employees because they're not going to stick around forever if you're not treating them the best that they, that you can be. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've had the same employees. Like I've been open for three years now and we've had some people with us for two years, you know? So it's like, I mean, a little over two years. So, I mean, you tell me if we're doing something right, you know? Yeah. And I can tell you like those people have only gotten one or two pay raises in the time that they've been with us. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not that we're just like continuing to pay them so much money. And they've actually been honest with us that they've gotten other offers from other competitors for more money and turned them down. So yeah. 
now like one of those guys is actually getting promoted um this upcoming week so that's gonna be really cool so i mean you do want to like promote your people and give them more responsibility but i always tell people you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink right so find thirsty horses yeah so it all starts and ends with the interview process and the screening process and the onboarding and all that stuff and we were really strict about our our two-week onboarding you know if people made a mistake within that first two weeks and like a mistake meaning like we told them what we expected like look you can't be late any for any reason your first two weeks we just want to see like are you serious about this job or not you know um if you're not in uniform like one day you show up to our office not in uniform you're gonna get let go immediately people are like well that sounds harsh and i'm like well i mean how hard is it to show up in your uniform yeah i don't know everyone else can do it you know so it's just kind of stuff like that like they they get that we're serious about what we do i don't care if it's just a cleaning company like i'm serious about doing a good job you know yeah no absolutely yeah i love it so i mean i think that I think there's some good advice in there um, yeah. for, for people. Um, I see David just hopped on a couple minutes ago. David Robertson. What's up from Dallas, oh. he says. Yeah, dude. Love Dave. He's in yeah. there. Yeah, he's in, uh, he's in your entrepreneur, uh, your mastermind group, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Awesome. And so, I mean, the other thing is like, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, they're talking a lot about employees and what it's like and um, you know, how they've built their company up and all that kind of stuff. And I guess like what I would say just to like ensure people that, you know, I know what I'm talking about is the fact that a, I have a company that I don't have to work in, which means our team is rocking and rolling and B last year I hired over a hundred people. So like we had 90 people working all at the same time in the same month. And we maintain 15 to 20 employees the entire year. So like in a cleaning company, you're not making as high of a dollar per hour as you would be if you're working in an HVAC company or plumbing or concrete or something like that. So you got to have a big team if you want to make big money, you know? And so, I mean, I've hired a lot of people and we've had a lot of rock stars on our team. We've also had some bad people too. And you just kind of work through it. And, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm really good at sharing the highlight reel. But like, I want to encourage people out there that it is not easy to do it. That's what I'm looking to dive into next. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe talk about firing people. Now yeah. that we talked about hiring them, tell us your worst story. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. This one is actually awesome. So like right when I started getting really serious in my company, we had um, a couple contracts that were really big. And, you know, I had, uh, I think, three or four employees at the time. But I was trying to get to 10 within like a month or two. And I brought this guy on. He was super high caliber. He worked at a bank. He was making like 50000 a year there. And he's like, you know, I just want to do something where I can, I can have purpose in it. And I'm like, well, I mean, I can't pay you 50000 a year, but like I can definitely help you with that. And he was like, yeah, I'm really excited. I want to prove, I want to help like build this up with you and all this stuff. And he really talked to talk. Like he was, he was really good from that perspective. He's a good salesman. So he comes on board. He was the best employee I ever had. The first 30 days, he was just like a rock star. And then slowly started to fade out and wasn't doing that well. And um, I kind of have to tell the end of the story and then fill the gaps. So he really started, he really started declining and all this stuff. Well, then I hired him like in March. So March, April, May, June. He was on for like four months. First week of July, he quits with no notice during the busiest season of the entire year. Like it's a Friday. He came and picked the van up at our shop. And then uh, my wife was like, Hey, um, Dan's Dan's back at the shop and he just dropped the keys off. Like he didn't say anything. He just left. Like what's going on? I'm like, I have no idea. He's supposed to be at a job right now. So then uh, he texts me and he's like, I can't do this anymore, man, whatever. So then I start talking to all my other employees and I'm like, at that time I had like 10 people on my team. And I'm like, do you guys hear that Dan quit? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's been talking about quitting. But I didn't know he was just going to quit with no notice. And I was like, why did no one tell me this? Like, what's going on? And they were like, dude, Dan hated you. Like, he would talk smack about you to the customers. 
um, he talked about like how terrible of a person you were and that you always like were lying to him and deceiving him. And I'm just like, I don't understand how he could feel that way. Right. And if he had a problem with me, he should have talked to me about it, you know? And then, um, before that he faked his grandmother's death to get out of work. Um, turns out that he was a drug addict and, um, he was like on heroin and all this stuff all the time. The reason he quit was because he wasn't going to be allowed to drive any company vehicles because he got cited for a DUI and um, he had meth and Xanax in his system at the same time and paraphernalia. Um, and he wasn't going to be able to drive any of our company vehicles. And so he didn't want to tell me any of that and he just quit. Oh, Here's, the kicker. Here's the kicker. He did. It didn't show up on a background check or anything like that because the crime was committed like a week before he started working for me. So it didn't even register in the courts yet. So I never knew about it. So I looked it up later and you know, there he was all that stuff. Then on top of all of that, he stole a pressure washer from me. He stole my GoPro. <laughs> was it before or after he quit? Like it was it in the process of quitting. It was all that stuff was supposed to be in one of our vans. And I didn't, I didn't check it because we use the GoPro for videos, like for, you know, when you're on the job site, I'm like, take videos, take, take footage, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it was gone. And, you know, they're like, Evan was like, where's the other pressure washer at? And I was like, it's in the van. And he's like, dude, it hasn't been there for months. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Dan always just told, told me that it was uh, in your shed at your house. And I was like, no, dude, it hasn't been there for Greg. like months. Yeah. So all this stuff, dude, it was crazy. But yeah, faking his grandmother's death was hilarious because I was like, I kind of figured he was, but I didn't want to like, that's such a sense. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't probe that one. Yeah. And he was in my office crying. Like, I mean, literally weeping. And I think it was because of his stuff in court and that was the way he covered it up. But I was like, two days later, I was like, hey, um, I want to send flowers to your grandma's funeral. Where's that? <laughs> you know, or what was her name? And he's like, uh. Uh, Marsha or something like he just like made a name up like he, <laughs> he gave me a last name he took forever to tell me and uh yeah it was interesting but um I guess what I would say I've, I've had I've had so many other things dude let me tell like one or two more real yeah I want to hear one where you actually physically like, fired them because this okay. one you never got the joy of firing them it's not that it's a joy but like it, it takes a certain you know yeah. it takes guts to fire someone no one likes to, yeah. to lay down the line so I've really only fired I think two people there's a way to fire people without actually firing them, uh, which is like, you kind of just tell them like, look, this isn't working out. Like you should probably go find something else to do. And then they get the hint, right? And you, you cut their hours back and stuff like that. But there was a guy that I fired his second week on the job. Um, he was a weird dude. And like, he just thought he knew everything. And he wanted to like, he was like ex-military and I, I've hired tons of military people. So nothing against that. He was just uh he thought he was like the sergeant at every job. Like he would just come and like, he'd boss everyone around and even like the customers and stuff. He would like boss them around and tell them like, this is how it's going down or whatever. Well then like when it came to safety, he was like the safety police. Like he wanted to be the guy. And um, he was at a job and he, instead of using the ladder that we told him to use, he decided to stand on someone's patio furniture with a granite, a granite countertop. Oh, and no. you pressure washer wand while he's standing up there and the table fell over and the granite busted off this table and it was like 2500 bucks for this okay. table for yeah me. and um so i just told him i'm like come back to the office and i was like look i gotta let you go dude like it's not about the table like the table can be replaced it's just like safety protocol like you can't be standing on someone's patio furniture like that's against our safety and like it would be different if you didn't call me and ask me, like he called me and was like, can I get on this table? And I'm like, no. And then he proceeded to do it. And break it. <laughs> yeah. But the saving grace was the customer was like, oh yeah, that um, one of the legs was like busted on that table and stuff. And so we were going to get a new one anyway. So you just kind of like accelerated the process. Oh, like, man. They, didn't, they didn't make me pay for it, but. There was another woman that cleaned for us. She was just really bad at cleaning, like no attention to detail and stuff. And like, it was one of those where we were going to lose clients um, if we didn't. And um, actually 
somebody just got fired uh, like four or five months ago, but I didn't have to do it. Matt does it all. He's my general manager. This one was hilarious, dude. Uh, we had this cleaning contract. It was $12,000 a month. We go in and we clean like all the common areas of this huge apartment complex. Like um, we would occasionally clean rooms when people moved out, all that kind of stuff. We had two people there full time every day. And uh, on the weekends, there were no office staff there. So we would just go in and we'd do all the cleaning and stuff. No one bothers you. Well, this guy decided to go into one of the rooms, the demo room or like the showrooms or whatever. He closed the door and locked it. And there's like a bunch of snacks and stuff in there for like people when they're showing apartments and stuff. Kicks his, kicks his shoes off, laying on the couch, eating snacks, watching TV. And uh, they walk in on him in the middle of it. And they're like, hey, what's up? And then they went back and looked at the cameras and found out that he was doing it like every single time he was in there. So, yeah, so that was an easy one. And he understood it. He's like, dude, I messed up. I really shouldn't have done that. But uh, (laughs) but that was like, what do you expect me to do, dude? Like, I I can't keep you on board, you know? No. So I guess what I would say to that is for every, I mean, you got to do the math. Like I just told you four bad stories, right? In these three years, I've probably hired 200 people. So it's like one out of 50 people is bad. Right? Yeah. It's a pretty okay track record. Yeah. And, and the way it works is like, if you have 10 people, one or two of them are going to be absolute studs. About five or six are going to be, you know, consistent, good employees or whatever. And then one or two are going to be terrible. So um, the one or two that are terrible, you just work them out and you get new guys in. And right now we actually don't have anyone that's terrible, but it took us three years to get there. Right. So. Right. Well, um, talk a, a bit about your hiring process um, because yeah. you know, you can't just, you know, especially the size you're at, but I mean, I even don't recommend it for small companies like one man operations. Don't hire your friends unless you're absolutely sure it's going to work out. Don't hire your friends, dude. Never works. <laughs> yeah. It, it's Never. very unlikely that that's going to work. Yeah. So the the first thing you want to do is you want to have an extremely high um, turnover rate before people even get through the door for the interview. And what I mean by that is um, if you get 50 or 100 resumes, out of those 50 or 100 resumes, you're probably only going to select five people to be able to even come to the interview, right? And the way that you do that is you see how they follow directions from the beginning of the interview process. So in the ad, you make it clear, like if you wanna, if you wanna apply for this ad, you need to answer these five questions, like send us an email with answers to these five questions to be considered. So you wanna see, are they actually gonna do that? And like majority of people don't even do that, they just bypass it. And I'm like, look, these people can't even read the ad and follow directions, right? Yeah. So the second part is they gotta answer the questions. And some of the questions are like, um, why did you apply for this job? What do you do for fun? Um, what interests you in working for our company? And it's so funny, the stuff that people will say, you know, they'll just be like, I want to make more money than working at this other job that I'm in. And I'm just like, dude, I don't have time for these people. You know, they don't care at all. But then you get the most articulate answers ever. People will be like, I saw what you're about and your core values. And I want to be a part of that. I want to grow in leadership and all this stuff. And you're like, that's the kind of person that I want to bring in for an interview. Right. Yeah. Then another thing that we do is um, one, one of our core values is commitment to the team, right? So to be committed to a team, it means that you have to work well with other team members, right? So I want to demonstrate that in the interview. So I do group interviews with people. I, I, won't, I won't tell oh, people. Group interviews are the worst. They're the worst. Yeah, but, they're the worst if you're being hired. Yep. But I don't tell people that. I'm just like, come to an interview at this time. And, uh, and like, yeah, we'll check it out. And so a lot of people run into the problem of people not showing up for interviews, especially in lower income type jobs, right? Yep. So if I select eight people to come for an interview, I, I know only like four people are going to show up, maybe five. And then we just get them all in a room and we ask questions. And it's like, I want to see how they respond and how they feed off of each other and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we won't hire a single person from it. And sometimes we'll hire two to three people from it. One of the group interviews we did, we hired two people. Both of them were absolute studs, and one of them is still working with us to this day. You know, that's awesome. So, do you do all your interviews group? 
Um, not every single one, but um, they have to be a pretty good candidate or like a warm lead from somebody that's like, hey, I got a buddy. He's really good. You know, he'll definitely show up for the interview. It'll be worth yeah. your time, you know? Yeah. So that's the only time I really do in-person interviews. And um, I mean, dude, the interview process, you just got to have fun with it. You got to ask people questions. Like, got to be very careful. Obviously, follow your, you know, local the guidelines. guidelines. Yeah. But there's ways to ask questions without asking them direct questions. So, like, I don't ask people, like, are you married, obviously, because you can't ask that. Or, like, do you have any kids or whatever. But I'll be like, tell me about, like, what a typical day looks like in your life, you know? What time do you get up in the morning? What kind of things do you do? What are your passions? What do you enjoy? And then they're like, well, you know, I'm married. My wife, you know, Susan, we've been together five years. Uh, you know, we've got two kids. Like, they'll open up and tell you stuff about their lives. Yep. And you don't use that as, like, discriminatory information, but you're getting to know that person, right? You're getting to see what they're all about. And so I ask a lot of character questions because that's really, like, I want to hire for character and train for skill right? Sure. Yeah, you can so, teach anybody anything, right? If, if they're willing to learn and have good character. Yeah. So my, my favorite question, I'll give you guys this as a, a free pro tip. And I ask it like super bluntly, I'll just be like, all right, Lewis. So um, and this would be like right in the middle of the interview after I've asked them, you know, other questions, we're all programmed to, to answer like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Like everyone knows that stuff, right? So I ask it a different way. <clears throat> and I'll be like, so, Lewis, let's just say I hand you a thousand bucks right now. What are you doing with it when you walk out this door? What would you say? I want to hear you answer this question. Oh, that's good. I feel like I'm in the hot seat now. What would I do with a thousand bucks? Like, that's a, that's a really good question. All right. So, the first thing. No, no, give me a second. Give me a second. But the first thing I'm thinking in my head right now is he's thinking about it, right? Okay. That means that you actually think critically about about being wise about the way you spend your money, right? Yeah. Some yeah. people will straight up just say, thousand bucks, I'm going to Vegas and I'm blowing it. Yeah. Right? I'm on yeah. a plane tonight or I'm going to the club with my boys and we're going to, you know, it's like, dude, I don't have time for that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So Alyssa and I discussed the um, million dollar question. So say you won the, won the lottery or whatever. We don't even play, but just yeah. say we did, right? Um, so, but a thousand dollars is a little bit different because it's smaller, yep. right? Yep. Um, so for me, honestly, I'd, I'd probably go and be like, "Hey, Alyssa, do you want to like spend some of this and like go out for a weekend or something?" Because we haven't like we haven't gone out really since we had our kid, right? So um, that would probably be where some of it went. Uh, we'd probably go away for a weekend. Where would you go? What would you do? We'd probably just go um, to a nearby town. We have a town about uh, a city about an hour and a half from here. Um, and there's a, a really nice hotel we like going to. Um, and it's Moncton, so Moncton, New Brunswick. And we like going to the Chateau um, downtown. So we'd probably go spend a, a night or two there and just, um, you know, enjoy some food and eat out for the first time in a, a long time for both of us. Yeah. Um, and then the yeah. rest of it, we'd probably just probably put in savings, to be honest. Yeah. So the, most of the people, the way they answer the question is they try to go safe right from the beginning. They'll be like, be like, yeah, I would save it or I'd pay bills or whatever. And I'm like, you can't do that. You got to yeah. spend it. What are you doing? And what I'm looking for people to say is like stuff you've said, like I'd go out and, and hang out with my family or my friends. I'd do something fun. I'd buy my kids something nice. I'd donate a portion of it. I would, um, you know, I, I really need new tires on my car. I'd probably do that. And then I'd take my wife to dinner, like stuff that's like, okay, this guy's humble he can be trusted because the reality is the reason I ask that question instead of a million is because our employees are always handling things that are worth a thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. And we give our employees company credit cards. So are they going to, when I tell them go get gas in the vans, are they, they going to Vegas with it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, on a smaller scale, are you going to buy gas? If I, if I, you know, are you going to buy $25 worth of gas and $25 worth of food and snacks? And try and hide that from me, which I've had people do. I've yeah. had people find cigarettes with gas cards and stuff, thinking I wouldn't find out about it. Yeah. Um, and and that's the thing is you got to trust your people and stuff. And so, I mean, I trust our guys with. I mean, I let people drive my my personal truck, and uh, you know, I, I've let my employees come in my home, and you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. 
it's about building that family culture and you got to trust your family, you know? For sure. Yeah. I'm going to ask the list of that question tomorrow morning. Yeah. Cause uh, I, I love those questions. Um, and I, I'm going to ask uh, everybody work that tomorrow as well. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. every single one of my questions is non-traditional and fun. And uh, it's like very probing. Like I get really good information out of it. And every single one of our questions stems for our core values. So yeah. five core values, our interview packet is 15 questions, three questions per core value. I love it. Yeah. So one of our core values is integrity above everything. So that's where the integrity thing comes in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're full of stories. So maybe just to wrap up here, maybe talk a bit about, you know, the toughest thing in going from zero to a hundred. Yeah. The toughest thing you faced. It yeah. might be employees, but. Yeah. Honestly, the toughest thing was realizing that it was all going to be worth it one day. <laughs> Cause when you're, when you're going from zero to a hundred, like there's really nothing fun and exciting to get out of bed for like $8,000 a month. When reality is like after expenses, you're taking home like three to 4,000 of that. Right. Yep. You're not going to be too excited about doing that. And I, I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they're like, let's say they're making 40,000 or $50,000 a year in their job. So that's four or $5,000 a month, something like that, 40 to 60,000. Yep. So, I mean, it's like, you can, we can work a pretty easy job and make that kind of money, you know, or just work for someone else and not have all the stress. And that's where a lot of people get hung up is they're like, well, I'm only bringing home $4,000 a month and I'm busting my butt, you know? Yep. And what I tell people is it's about playing the long game. So the first year is all hustle, all grind, sacrifice it doesn't matter what it costs you you just do it and 100%. then the second year is like a blend of like hustle 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 and then a little bit of lifestyle and this is assuming you're doing things well and then the third year is all about building your lifestyle and then years four and five you're living the dream like i mean i'm in year four now like fourth season and i mean i'm living the dream because of, of what i've built and i tell people this a lot like if you work 80 hours a week one year and then you work zero hours a week the next year, it averages out to 40 hours a week. So people yeah. are like, man, you barely work now and stuff. It's like, yeah, because I spent three years building my business like none other. Like that's all I did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, David I says some days it's hard to keep grinding. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And um, what I would just tell people is like, don't quit, man winners never quit and quitters never win. Like it's, it's such a lame saying from like, you know, <laughs> like middle school sports and stuff, but like, it's so true. So life is going to be hard no matter what, right? It yep. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've, you've worked for someone else before, right? Before you had your own business. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm just finishing that up right now, actually. Yeah. yeah. And they expect a lot from you, right? Yeah. Like you, you have to show up every day and do a good job. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. Like if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it regardless if you work for yourself or for someone else. Right. So it's going to be hard no matter what. I'd rather it just be hard. It's going to benefit me and my family and my legacy. Right. Instead of someone else's company. And that's just the way that I viewed it. And look like entrepreneurship, business ownership isn't for everyone. I think like my dad is super successful and he's worked for the same company his entire life for 35 years. He's retiring here and uh, actually this month. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's not for everyone. And he tells me all the time, he's like, you're doing stuff that I would never do, but you know, you're living the life that you want to live, you know, and he got to live the life that he wanted to live. So yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. David said in the beginning, it's hard. And then he said, amen. Cause you were obviously yeah. laying down some fire. That's right, dude. Dude, Dave, I would just tell you, man, like, just keep doing what you're doing, dude. I mean, I know it's hard, like when you're in the weeds and you're frustrated and stuff and, you know, just get up every day and have a purpose for what you're doing and um, have passion and be excited, even if you are in the weeds, you know, and just keep telling yourself, this is all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. And I told this story before, I'll make this one super quick, but um, two years ago on Memorial Day, I was working like 16, 17 hour a day. Like literally I would go home and sleep 
and then go right back to work. We were doing this big contract and I was working so much that my wife was like, I'm just going to take the kids and we're going to go away and do something fun because like, you're not even home. So we might as well just get out of here. And they were all out on the boat, hanging out, doing fun stuff. And I'm sitting there stripping and waxing a floor, which is like the worst job ever by myself. I'm literally crying like, dude, this is not worth it. Why am I doing this, dude? Like this sucks so bad. And my wife's sending me pictures of her and our kids out on the boat and they're enjoying life. And I'm just like, I should be there right now. I should be with them instead of doing this stupid job. I should just quit right now. And um, I text my wife and I was like, this is so difficult right now, but I know that this is going to be worth it one day. And she's like, oh, it's totally going to be worth it. And now this Memorial Day, I just did whatever I wanted to do. Like I had money to do whatever I wanted. Like we went out to eat like three times during, um, like we got takeout or whatever. We went to the beach, we hung out. Like I can go jet skiing whenever I want to go jet skiing. Like actually I got to do that some point soon. It's like my favorite thing. But I can do all that stuff now because of the work that I put in. So just keep going, man. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, and I think the key takeaway from that is, uh, and something that I've been learning is, it is really hard. And some days you're really burnt out. But something that my mentor said is, write down your goals every day. Yeah. Write down where you, even twice a day. And when you're when you're kind of running into difficult patches, write your goals down. Tell them to someone. Be like, this is this is why I'm doing this. This is anybody who's in endurance sports. They're going to tell you, you know, when it gets really hard, the only thing that gets them through is thinking about how it's going to feel when I finish, right? Yep. Um, so it's, it's really, really important to to keep that crystal clear and keep pushing forward. Yep. It's, um, it's seeing the life that you want to have and uh, just continuing, like you said, writing your goals down. Part of that is envisioning what you want to have and what it's yep. going to look like when you do have it. And it's so funny because every single single thing that I have right now, my wife and I were talking about three years ago. Yeah. And yeah it, there's also like, something about, you know, once you say it and, and, uh, and talk about it, then, um, you know, that's going to start, you're going to start seeing opportunities to, to achieve the goals that you're setting. Yep. We have our three year goals set right now. And, you know, we're looking at what kind of house do we want to have in three years? What kind of life do we want to have? Like what, you know, all this stuff. And it's, I'm telling you, like, it will look exactly like that in three years. You know, it's yeah. just one of those things. So you just got to be laser focused. 100%. So, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas just jumped in uh, and he said, do we have any familiarity with the trash bin cleaning industry? Um, trash bin cleaning, like pressure washing trash bins? I'm guessing like, uh, like going around and cleaning them out. Yeah. It's getting pretty popular, I think, in a lot of areas. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I've never done it specifically, but it's just like any other service, really. I mean, um, uh, can you type on there? I guess he can hear us, right? Yeah. Uh, what questions specifically do you have about it? I mean, I know some people in the business, so you want to. Yeah, Nicholas, just to put your question down, and, and uh, there's a little bit of a lag, but um, just write your question down. Um, while while we wait for that, maybe we'll just wrap up with anything you want to say um, for. Yeah. To the legacy entrepreneur uh, mastermind yeah. thing or anything with that yeah so what i would say is i'm doing something really cool right now i don't know if i even told you this but uh i just came out with this idea that i want to have legacy apparel in every single state in the united states by august 1st why because i think it would be cool <laughs> somebody was like dude you're not even like making that much money off of it to do like you're putting so much time and energy into this idea and i'm like it's not about that dude it's about doing something that's cool because i want to and how cool would that sound to be like look my apparel is everywhere in this country yeah exactly so, so i actually have a list of states that i need to check off um, on my legacy entrepreneurs mastermind group so check that out if you're from one of those states get some apparel dude i'm gonna do a drawing i'm gonna put everyone's name in and i'm gonna give something away i don't know what i'm gonna give away but i'm, I'm gonna go big for this one because i think it's gonna be awesome so um the next thing i would say is uh i'm specializing in two different groups of people i'm specializing in the first group which is people that are just starting out or trying to make a hundred thousand dollars a year in their business like get to six figures and do it quickly and that group is the legacy launch group 
it's um, the, there's a live event specifically centered around that. There's coaching centered around that. There's courses centered around that. And then the second person is, okay, I've made $100,000 a year, six figures, whatever. I want to create freedom in my life and in my business. And that's legacy lifestyle. And so there's going to be courses, events, and all that kind of stuff. So right now I'm focusing in the weeds. And I mean, we've had some really good success stories. It's been awesome. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, uh, uh, I actually was able to jump on with you there for a couple things. And, and I know you've been doing some really cool stuff with people as well. So yeah. Nicholas is saying, um, who do you know in the business and what's the best way to scale your business to get to the point of being able to buy another truck and hire your first employee? Yeah. So the name of the game in that business is get recurring work. I mean, in any business, but in the trash bin cleaning, because you have to do a lot of bins to make a lot of money. It's not like um, pressure washing where you can get like $40,000 contracts to do like a whole complex of units. Like you have to get, you have to get whole neighborhoods to get signed up for probably i mean this i'm kind of going off the cuff here but if you can get it with the um, homeowners associations and stuff like that it's probably a big one exactly what it is yep so you want to get into high-end neighborhoods where that type of service is important to them you know and uh, it's actually required by the hoa so you want to network with those groups Um, a lot of people will ask me how do i how do i find the hoas here's a little hack for you guys if you know a realtor friend that can go into their database and pull that list for you. And then you can start working that list. That's probably the best way. So there's lists out there where you can find the head contact person at every single homeowners association in your city, and you can start reaching out to them right away. So I would do that. Try and network with realtors, property managers, people that can get you the, to the decision maker in those communities. So. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's a great idea. And I mean, you touched on this in your other stuff, and I'm always saying this to people as well. Um, you know, join the chamber, get to know people, get to know. You know, there might be a business owner in there that uh, you know. I don't I don't know exactly what Nicholas does, but there might be a business owner that knows someone or or has a need for someone to clean clean that sort of thing. Yeah. So I know um, he asked like who I knew. I I know a couple guys that are just getting started in the business, but I know one guy who built the largest eco-friendly cleaning company in Australia. He was actually my coach and they specialized in that service. Um, They specialized in recycling, waste removal, cleaning trash cans, big events. And they would uh, clean like big facilities for like huge events, like, you know, people like concerts and stuff like that. So um, they had the big trucks and they'd clean everything and, and all that stuff. So um, I know him super well. He's he's on to bigger and better things at this point. He sold his company. He's actually younger than I am. I think he's like 27 or 28. And um, he sold his company for, I, I, I couldn't tell you the exact number, but it's probably like 15 million bucks or something like that. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he's asking who you know specifically. You know, feel free to get in touch with Mike directly. Um, message yeah. him, Nicholas. And um, he says he's the owner of Environmental Bin Solutions Inc. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, any last uh, any last fire uh, before we wrap up here? I don't know about fire, man. <laughs> you've been you've been bringing it, so you gotta have a little bit left in you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, dude, just keep doing what you're doing, guys, and like connect with good people. This is a this is a great thing to wrap up on. I've been telling people a lot this week is you have to hang with people that you want to become more like. So you know, uh, thoroughbreds don't hang out with donkeys so to speak, right? So if you want to learn how to be a successful business person, live a life that is um, inspiring and all those things, hang out with those types of people. So, you know, link up with people like Lewis, if you want to connect with me, Um, if I have anything that, you know, you want in your life, start watching, you know, videos that we're putting out or other people that have what you want, instead of looking at people who have what you don't want. And um, a lot of people will say, you know, I'm watching these guys so I can figure out what mistakes they're making so I don't make those same mistakes. The reality is that's not how you become successful. You want to well, you want to see how how people do it that are are successful and have what you want. So, I think that's a great place to end up on. Um, that's, you know, something I'm trying to work on this year. Um, and, and that's why I've created this group is for people to get together and you, that's why you've created your group. So you know, get in yeah. touch with either of us if you have questions um, about scaling and stuff. Get in touch with Mike if you have questions about your website or, 
or lead generation or anything like that, um, you know, certainly yeah. reach out to me. I'm happy to, to lay down some fire on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis is awesome. He's helping a lot with, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. So I would just go, go straight there. Yeah. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, this wraps up. I think uh, we've been going for an hour here. Um, I think there's some, some great value in here. This will be, uh, well, it'll be live and it'll be able to be replayed in the group. Um, and it'll be yeah. probably going up on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So you can catch yeah. it on all the platforms. Sounds Appreciate good. it, Mike. This was great. Um, look forward to, to chatting again in the future. Yeah. Sounds good, dude. Rock out. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Just stop the live stream and I'm stopping the recording.